Hi, I'm Carly Chamberlain, and this is Walk Left, the podcast. And I'm Marty Chidorek. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back, Carly. Thank you. You were here not that long ago. Oh, I think it was like a year ago, exactly. It couldn't have been that long. Yum it. Oh, good gracious. What are we doing with our lives? <laughs> back then you were talking about your company. Mm-hmm. Neotony. This time you're here talking a bit about a show that you're directing for Hart House Theater. Yes. Good night, Desdemona. Good morning, Juliet. Yes. Tell me about your first exposure to the play and... Uh, and, and um, yeah. we'll get to your production specifically after that. My first exposure to it was almost exactly 10 years ago in first year university at University of Windsor. As part of the acting program, there's like a certain amount of other electives you have to take. And in our lit, one of our lit courses, which was focused on tragedies, it was part of our like supplemental reading because we were reading Othello and Romeo and Juliet. And we had a really miraculously awesome professor named Kofi Campbell, who I love still now. And he was was just like an awesome teacher for it. And the play was really exciting even then as a like very young actor then, I was like 18. I, I always knew that I wanted to do Shakespeare. And at the time, the exciting thing that resonated with me, and I think it does for a lot of female actors is the awesomeness of doing Shakespeare with a lot more to do and uh, not that you can't play a female Shakespeare character with depth but it's it can be easy to for it to be really two-dimensional and there's also unless you do some creative gender casting there's just less to work with if you want to be a female actor as Shakespeare so that was the main really exciting thing to for me then but it's funny because like I I remember reading it and liking it but it's all a blur (laughs) of like remembering liking it and then 10 years pass and being asked if I was interested in directing it I was like yes of course and then I actually went back to read it again and and it was like this play is so much more than my 18 year old brain really comprehended like, I think I just saw it through that lens originally of, like, I'd like to play those parts someday. And reading it now as a, like, slightly older, <laughs> world-weary woman. <laughs> <laughs> the, like, uh, I mean, obviously, like, it's a very funny play and really smart as far as how it uses Shakespeare and references Shakespeare. But it's so much more than that as far as it's like feminist qualities and just the idea of a play that's about someone's journey for their identity and self-worth and it's not some like uber dark depressing moody play it's really rare so looking at it when you you know approaching it for the first time as a director, mm-hmm. what was was there anything that jumped out at you as uh, what was going to be a challenge looking at this script that you you know had fond memories of? Well, yeah, within the first twenty minutes, she falls into a garbage can and does a warp <laughs> into Shakespeare world, which is like her subconscious. <laughs> so it's um, just the natural yes. convention jumps out at you of, oh, yes. that's how they yes. do that in every There's play also, that happens. Even, even before then, <laughs> there's like, 
chorus enters, he enters in a way that indicates he's not of this world. What does that mean, <laughs> you know? All, the whole play is that, but there's also, I think it's Anne-Marie's notes in, in the publication that sort of say that the like magic of the play is intended to be theater magic as opposed to some like sort of filmic trick that the audience is really confused about or you've blown their minds it's meant to be you know there's like a trap door and that's how he arrives all that sort of stuff and so for me I've all the other stuff I had directed was very small scale intimate so to go from that in like a very intimate space very minimal sets props everything it's really just the actors to a play where yeah the chorus enters through a wall or whatever it's up to your imagination and then Constance falls through a garbage can within the first 20 minutes that to me was the stuff that was intimidating to start the other things that I think were are tricky but uh, I was excited about right off the bat is the fact that other than the actor who plays Constance everyone else plays like between two to four, four or five roles, which is so exciting for them to get to do. But making sure that those characters are like distinct and clear and they can jump in and out of them. And it's a, that's a lot in a fun way, I think. Do you think that uh, for a theater goer, this play, you need to have a familiarity both with Othello and Romeo and Juliet? No, no. I mean, I think they're... Uh, it's one of those plays that has many layers of references, and I think there was a particular level that, like, two <laughs> very old, well-read professors are going to see the play and be chuckle to themselves, and then the rest of the audience won't get it, and the play just keeps going. And it sort of moves up from there where there are references or a layer that someone who's really familiar with the plays will get, but it in no way hinders the actual storytelling because ultimately the worlds of for Romeo and Juliet and Othello are just a framework for Constance struggling with stuff that she's been repressing as far as dealing with who she is and what she's been the ways people she's been letting people take advantage of her and not acknowledging her own power to change things and I think that's pretty relatable regardless of the Shakespeare stuff and I think it's also I, I hope that it will make people this is maybe ambitious but I hope it can potentially open up for people who haven't seen the other plays to go back and see them or read them watch them the film versions because it is a sort of really approachable way to enter the world and it is done from a place of love for sure she's turning some of our expectations on their head for those characters and spoofing them in some ways but it's lovingly i think i am very aware of trying to make sure that it is relevant now um, and not just a museum piece production of it, it not in really like heavy handed ways. Cause you know, I, it's not like if you're doing a straight Shakespeare and you can be like, this is going to be in the old West. You can't do it's the play tells you <laughs> it's really straightforward, but we're trying to be thoughtful as far as design and approach to what her, what the Shakespeare world 
feels like as far as far as making it feel fresh so something scott who's the costume and set designer and i've been talking a lot about is you know my image of the way the play has been done in the past which may or not may or may not <laughs> be accurate is that shakespeare world when she falls into it is very just the stereotype it's all like the full costumes almost sort of cartoon cardboardy kind of sets over the top in that direction which makes sense but what's interesting to me is the idea that it's in her subconscious and there's all these elements throughout the play of you know she find something that had been in her real world like she things that she's dropped in the garbage can that she's fallen in with and so and the character the actors are all playing all the same characters so there's already all this overlap so what we're trying to embrace is the idea that it is a weird world and not just a literal we're in Verona now we're in Cyprus now we're like Royal Shakespeare Company the Globe that sort of thing using those references but it's more uh disjointed than that and my hope is that that brings uh freshness to it rather than just trying to do it the way i think it's been done by old white professors at universities uh men professors (laughs) yeah so that's like i mean that's always the top of my mind i mean i think the play does speak for itself as far as still remaining relevant because her journey is pretty timeless is I mean it's it's fantastical but the idea of like searching for your self-worth and you're not you don't even realize that that's what you're searching for and gaining confidence to stand on your own all that kind of stuff is pretty pretty timeless I think and then it's just about telling that story and making these like larger than life characters feel like real people and not just cartoons that's something we talked a lot about uh, when I was doing callbacks and sort of giving the actors an idea of uh, just the acting style because it is so grand in a lot of ways and it's like a it's a weird combination of that like over-the-top stereotype of old Shakespeare acting plus some sort of slapsticky kind of humor uh, so I, I just sort of kept sort of saying like the size is awesome I like I'm so for big acting big choices but to me the difference between something being like exciting and watchable and just like hammy is rooting it in actual desire like actual action that those those characters are funny because their stakes are ridiculously high for whatever they're after for Juliet in this version being in love with who she thinks is this Greek boy or Desdemona thinking she's finally found a companion for the first time in her life who really gets her and is on the same wavelength as her. These are all really big things. And you can pursue that in a funny way, but it has to be based in that. So I mean, I don't know if that's really a directing choice so much as (laughs) trying to like, you know, have it be rooted in something real and not just playing for laughs, hopefully. And then inevitably, inevitably becomes funny because it's an amazing piece of writing so it's trusting that i guess no it's interesting you raised a point of this play being directed by white male professors for sure lots of men have directed and that's not to say that men can't direct a feminist show 
I was probably being a bit uh, exaggerating, but I, for sure it does happen. No, I'm not, may, say, I'm not saying it doesn't. I'm not, I'm not like a denier. Because <laughs> I, I think this play in particular gets done um, in like university environments where they are like, it's it's about doing a play that has female roles since all the theater grads are mostly women and a lot of the professors or directors are men. That's just the reality. Most of the directors in our community be, are men. You don't have to be careful. <laughs> no, you don't no have I'm not to being be careful. Measured. Now I'm just yeah. like, <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just. This like, is a major, yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I only am backtracking because I'm like, I don't know the exact production history of the, of right. the show. I would say, in a larger sense, not specifically related to the production history of the show, since I don't want to make up history I don't know. You know, it, our, the community is dominated by men, in in particularly in the director roles. There are women, amazing women, doing all sorts of things, including directing. But directing tends to be directing and artistic direction tend to be the positions that there is still a glass ceiling for women. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm I'm super aware of that in everything I do now. Actually, it's interesting talking about like trying to remember my first experience of that in university and it being a blur. The other thing I've been thinking about a lot recently is when I was in university, I TA'd for a professor who was uh, like uber into feminist theory as it related to theater. And <clears throat> I wrote a paper for her while I was TAing for her about the role of women in theater in Canada at a time when I was like 20 and I really had no concept of what I was writing about. Or I'd, I mean, I found it interesting, but I I wasn't invested in it in any way. And, and I remember sort of thinking at the time that like, she, oh, like maybe she had like put this label on me as like, like just assuming that this is something I was going to be interested in or like was pushing me in this direction that I was like, oh, I don't really, I don't know, whatever. And now I look back and I'm like, oh, no. she, she just like knew <laughs> that this is the direction I was going and would inevitably be dealing with forever. And so it was like setting the foundation for thinking critically about the work we do and the challenges of being a woman within particularly the larger uh, institutions. But it's funny now to be like, oh, I wrote this paper about how it's really for women and <laughs> didn't care. And it's only like 10 years later that I'm like, oh, yeah, that's really relevant. Not much has changed. Uh, in the same way that the play was a big deal in the late 80s for all sorts of reasons for subverting the female roles in Shakespeare, but just like having amazing female roles, having a very ambiguous lesbian kiss. Like it's not there. There is like hints at sexuality issues and gender issues in the play, but just hints. And that was a big deal at the time. And it's like not the changes that have happened since then, both in our society, but particularly the theater community as well are small. For so much time having passed. 
I'm always hesitant and I'm trying to stop this, but I'm always hesitant to use the word feminist because I am aware of the reaction it causes in other people as far as like having a negative connotation to it. But it is what it is, right? I mean, uh, on the most superficial level, she's taken ingenue Shakespeare characters and empowered them. That's like checkmark feminist. Uh, giving amazing roles to young women is still a really big deal. Check. <laughs> but the like bigger thing to me, and it's the thing that I think uh, there's a growing dialogue now as it relates to film and TV, but needs to still be discussed with theater, is it's centered around a woman, and it's not about her romantic journey. There are elements that have to do with romance with men and it's not like there are no male roles and the, the men are like non-existent but it's about her journey with herself and the friendships with these women who turn out to be part of her subconscious but for the practicality of the story it's about their friendships and it's not them gabbing about their boyfriends <laughs> and that's like that's huge and I can't, I was thinking recently about like Canadian plays that I've seen recently that also sort of check those, any of those boxes. And I, I know, I'm sure some exist, but it's n not tons off the top of my head. So it continues to be important in the same way that feminism in general continues to be important oh i just think it's so interesting that it's like yeah so much time passes and then it's still we all we, it's always the same problems you know i see <laughs> because i've been you know writing director's notes and talk to people at the show i see the lens i see the show through the political lens sometimes not always like not in rehearsal i'm not thinking about the politics of it but ultimately i don't know that I want people coming to the show to be thinking about the politics of it, but maybe I do. I don't know. You know, it's like it's weighing because ultimately it's like a it's a fun, light, like celebratory show. It's just I think it's important to not like forget that it's it's it has this other value beyond just being a really smart piece of funny writing. You know, and then and then it's just me being like, these are really important things we need to keep talking about As, because I have, you know, I'm in when I'm not doing this, I'm thinking about, you know, how do I do whatever Shakespeare and and cast women like don't you like do like a full gender swap, but how do I cast women in different roles and open that those things up thoughtfully. So it's just like where my brain's going all the time. I got a lot of a sense of the neonteny process that you had working on Overruled and Romance. Yeah. Tell me about the, the rehearsal process of this and, and how it's... Yeah. Uh... Um, it's interesting because with Overruled and Romance it was like polar opposites of very st structured movement kind of stuff because it was a farce in a very small space versus romance which was all really naturalistic and unblocked so now 
this is kind of a mixture of all of that and a little bit different this this time round and it's it started as an idea specific for the show but i think it's just something i want to keep doing from now on now that i've seen the value of it and that is we've been doing like ensemble work like warm-up stuff but also ensemble work at the beginning of every rehearsal not for a huge amount of time but sort of laying that foundation so I forced them to do a lot of like freeze tag <laughs> and other uh you say that with this look of, <laughs> of like evil glee yes well... I don't know if it was clear from your laugh so I just wanted to spell that <laughs> yeah. out although I've had I've been forced to play recently so it's less evil because I'm I'm forcing myself to participate but ultimately now what's cool about being just director and not also producer is I can be like I really believe in this play I, these actors are awesome they deserve for you to come see the show and you're gonna like it instead of being like please I need you to come so that the past four months of me starving have been worth it there's a, there's a distinction. But I'm curious for you then creatively as a director, do you feel like do you feel like having that chunk of your brain not dedicated or not worried about mm -hmm. producing? Do you feel like that has opened you up more? Do you feel a greater yeah. responsibility to push the envelope as a director because of that? Um it's, you know, like one part of your brain frees up or one worry frees up, but it just gets refocused somewhere else. Like, say, with Neoteny, it was, especially last, this time last year, because it was, like, all new. And Susan wasn't officially, like, producing where she is now with me, so it was really just me. And I was also working full-time. That was, like very intensely focused on making the show happen and oh by the way I'm this is my directorial debut <laughs> whereas this I, there is for sure a freedom in some ways to be like okay now I can think about my process a bit more and what the rehearsal is going to be like but then there's all sorts of new stuff like we were talking about is just like you know there's a garbage can that she falls into all this technical stuff and collaborating with designers in a way that I, I haven't before all that kind of stuff is just a new avenue for those worries <laughs> to be placed on or new and where my attention gets focused tell um, me tell me about that that collaboration and 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 working with you know so many people to have such a team larger team uh, it's uh it's funny initially having been really self-sufficient before that was the thing i was like most nervous about as far as the sort of step i was taking with my own directing experience but it also has just been a like the fit has been pretty good scott penner who's doing sets and costumes uh i think it is one of those things where like on a personal level we like clicked right away and that and I had worked with him sort of peripherally, like when I was assistant directing Robin Hood, he did the set. So we already had a bit of a relationship, but from the outset, we had a rapport where I could say, like, I, I know I have, my idea is still kind of vague and I don't always have the vocabulary for articulating what it is in a literal way as it translates into the set but these are the things that are important to me as far as what it feels like um, like I said to him there's a particular song that I always imagine playing at the end of it as far as reflecting a feel because I'm 
in some ways more of an auditory person than a visual as far as where ideas come from and he was able he like took me saying i like this song and i don't want it to be cheesy and all, and all these pieces and went away and came back with a crazy idea that is so amazing but wouldn't have worked <laughs> we're gonna use it for another <laughs> show because it was amazing uh, but and then sitting uh, literally just us sitting down and being okay like what worked in that idea that's translatable into what the parameters of are what we have to work with because there's also this added thing of the last show in the hard house season just based on everything else that's going on has a very short tech time like load in time to when the show opens is like uh, four days or something crazy like that which to me from doing tiny shows I was like I don't know what this means you're telling me it's not a lot of time so I'll believe you um so it's this whole added thing of thinking about design plus practicality about like how, how you communicate what you need to the audience and be ambitious without being overly ambitious so essentially, it's just the same with design, I think, as it is with directing, right? I don't know. I mean, I'm like not, as far as the directing stuff goes, when you're talking about, do I, now that I have space free to my brain, am I trying to make like a statement about directing? I like, I kind of hope not. Like, I feel like, you know, good, often good directors have a, have a feel to their work, but essentially directors are like, or should be like, curators or editors right you're yeah you have the, the ultimate vision and you're the leader but it's a collaborative art form so it needs to be being that outside eye and putting the pieces together and tweaking things but also just like creating the a situation where people can do their best work hopefully and then sometimes shoving them <laughs> over a cliff <laughs> when that you think that's going to actually help in a non dangerous way obviously but because that's sort of how I think that's maybe a very actory way to think of directing but yeah I don't, I don't know I like I, I'm still figuring out what directing is right like but that I think is the goal is that you're you're a editor Curator, I think, is better. Facilitator. One of those. <laughs> <laughs> or all. You know what? Someone once told me uh, they were like, they, they had assisted Daniel McIver. And he his, like, metaphor for directing was like, directing is about getting everyone into a house. And then gradually, you get them all into one room. And then eventually, they're all in one corner of a room. And then eventually, the goal is that they're in a drawer <laughs> of the cupboard, like slowly w working your way to to this whatever goal with the ideas. That and that that to me makes sense because it is that thing of like. And I think I was so guilty of this my first time directing is like because I'm a details person is like just picking up on all the details I wanted to change so early instead of being like, okay, broad strokes, broad strokes, and then slowly refining. Finessing. And then also with that time realizing that 
some of that stuff you thought need to be refined can actually work now because of XYZ that's happened and stuff. Good night, Desdemona. Good morning, Juliet. February 28th to March 8th at Hart House Theatre. Carly, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you have an upcoming Toronto-based performing arts project or production, I want to talk to you about it. Visit walkleft.ca. Yeah, well, I mean, it's... It's going to be amazing.